You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, find your Bibles. We're going to go back now into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this evening, making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Many call it the book of 1 Corrections uh, because, boy, that's what uh, that's certainly what these Corinthians needed. They lived in a, they lived in a, a difficult culture. Not impossible when you have the Lord with you, but it certainly did affect their actions, kind of creeped its way into their life. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine what some of the headlines in their newspapers would have read. Would have been atrocious. And uh, some of the, uh, maybe some of the advertisements that were of, of events coming up. I realize they didn't have newspapers in that day, but can you imagine some of the advertisements in their newspaper? Very lewd, very wicked place to be able to, uh, to build a family and then a church. Uh, very difficult uh, lewd, sensual, um, idolatrous. And uh, so Paul knew that when a, a young church was birthed there, I'm trying to remember how long he spent there, a year and a half in Corinth, if I'm not mistaken, um, did everything he could to establish a church in a very solid way. Uh, and he was, he was rock solid. He had a walk with God when he was caught up to the third heaven and and God trained and taught him personally. Um, and so it's not like Paul couldn't fall, but he was rock solid. But he knew when he left, that little church was going to face whatever was on the outside, was going to do everything it could to get inside. And so he was trying to help them. And he's found out, sure enough, some of the stuff worked its way in. And then some natural things that are a part of our human nature started to come out. Pride uh, really started to develop with them, and along with pride comes division. Uh, I'm better than so-and-so, and, and so they started sectioning off in groups, and we, today we call it cliques, and they were saying, I'm of Paul. Another group said, nope, we're of Apollos, uh, Peter, Christ, we're the Christ ones. You guys are just those guys, and even in that, it was a proud statement. And that church was, at best, rocky. It was tipsy. Paul knew that, and he's very concerned about it, and so he's addressing some of these issues. And he gets down to, hey, guys, the danger of all that is this. If, um, if your church isn't right, and if your heart is not right, if our heart is not right in here tonight, we're going to have major problems, especially when we step into heaven. So we live to be, let's say, 90. Uh, let's say that God gives us that grace. Or some may call it a curse to live to, to 90. But let's say God lets us live to 90. And then you step into heaven and that's forever. And much of what heaven is going to be like for you and me. Of course, Jesus makes it glorious. Street of gold, palace, my mansion and all that is going to be glorious. But much of whatever the rewards are going to be about have a lot to do with the way you're living your life right now. Paul comes into that church and says, guys, this isn't all life is about. There's so much more when you take one more step upward and you get into heaven. We got to get it right down here. 
no matter what your preconceived ideas are, listen to what God has taught us and get some things worked out. Uh, Maybe three or four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I came down Sycamore and came up 41st Street. I guess that's over here. And uh, as I was coming up 41st Street, traffic had slowed down horribly. And I'm like, guys, I really got to get to church, okay? And um, so hurry up, you know, I got to get there and worship the Lord. (laughs) Great attitude to have, right? And I'm like, hurry up, the car's just slowing down. What are you guys all slowing down right here for? And I looked over, uh, oh, did anybody else see that building that was just to the east of what is Casey's or... Uh, used to be a building that they had all the sticks up. I call them sticks. It was all the two-befores. can't remember if they had the rafters up or not. Anybody else see this building that uh, I'm, a, I'm guessing the wind maybe caught it? Um, and it had collapsed. I mean, and it just looked... Anybody here ever play pickup sticks when you was a kid? I mean, it looked like all the sticks just, just all falling together. And, I, I, and then I slowed down. The car behind me saying, guy, hurry up i got to get to church. I'm sure he wasn't saying that. <laughs> but I'd slowed down and looked at what was going on. So they didn't have the, they didn't have, it looked really good. And I could tell it looks like it's going to be a, some kind of a little strip mall there maybe or something like that. Uh, or are you building a house there, Juan? That wasn't your house. No, just strip mall then. And, uh, and it had, uh, had, it was not supported properly for the conditions that were coming. Did you hear what I just said? It was not supported properly. It was not built right for what was coming. Otherwise, they would have prepared for it and done it properly. You go look at it now. Boy, they've got it all back up and all kinds of support structures on the inside there and everything. And they're making sure this does not come down. But in the Christian life, sometimes we are not preparing for what's coming. For when we step into heaven. Well, I think I'm good enough... I should be able to, well, what's so wrong with, and guys, get your thinking out of the way and get into the word of God and let's measure up to what God says. And there's going to be so much better when we get to heaven, if we'll just let the Lord have his way. All right. Now, building shacks or palaces, title of my message tonight, building shacks or palaces. Start with me in verse, we're in chapter three again, verse 10. Remember, Paul has just corrected them. You guys have been trying to uh, rally around a man. And he told them, hey, we're just ministers of the gospel. We're not angels. We're not godlike. So why are you rallying around men? And then he goes back and says, you need to really understand who the foundation is. So look in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder... I've laid the foundation. That means he just preached Christ. Christ is the foundation. I've laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. And listen to the warning. This is the one that needs to be in flashing red lights or yellow or whatever. But let every man take heed. Notice the big word here. How he buildeth thereon. That's the huge warning. If I had a little horn up here, I could honk. You know, one of those squeaky horns. I would do it right there. Be like, what's going on? I want you to get that. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. The message for us tonight as we work our way down through here is, Eastside, be careful how you're building on the foundation of Christ. I, I think we're on a Wednesday night. 
with pouring rain. Uh, I think we'll all probably know the Lord. Can anybody just say a little amen to that? How about a good amen? Amen. Saved and on my way to heaven. So you got the foundation. Now God says, now with the foundation, be careful how you're going to build on that foundation. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only foundation. Verse 12. So here he goes. He gets real specific, and we're going to go down to verse 15. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, Christ, you know, building upon him. This is your Christian life he's describing here. If you build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work, the things we do on this earth, shall be made manifest. God's going to examine every one of our works, okay? For the day shall declare it, that day we stand before God, all right? Because it shall be revealed by fire. What in the world? By fire. And we'll describe these things, okay? And the fire shall try every man's work. And again, important wording right here, of what sort it is. What kind of work was your work? If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, you know, after it's gone through the fire. If any man's work abide, which uh, he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward, which would be the great goal in heaven, guys. We want to cast our crowns at the feet of Christ. You're going to be dying to give something to the Lord. And if he gives me a reward, a crown, you, you can't wait to cast that at his feet. So if my works that he runs through the fire of his judgment still abides then I'll receive that reward. But in verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire or as he passes through the fire, he'll be safe. And that helps us to understand some other things about what this is and what this is not about. Hopefully we can clear some things up here tonight. Let me pray. And Lord, I'm grateful for the privilege to preach tonight. Please, God, open our hearts and our minds and our eyes of understanding and a willingness to apply uh, the Bible to our own lives again today. Lord, I've heard these things preached since I was a little boy in Sunday school. And yet just studying them again tonight, today, I've uh, been reminded of things I needed to hear again. So help all of us to give uh, attention to what you're saying here tonight. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Has anybody here ever seen the Hoover Dam? Man, I really would like to see that. So between 1931 and 1936, the miraculous Hoover Dam was built. It was on the border of Nevada and Arizona. And to do so, the Colorado River had to be, which was flowing down through there, which was what was going to be dammed up, was the water of the Colorado River that would flow down that far. But the river's flowing, so it's in the way. How are we going to build a dam with this river rushing through here? So they had to divert the river away through different channels um, uh, on both sides of the river. And with, finally, the riverbed dries up. But when you get to the bottom of the riverbed, there's a lot of junk on the bottom. And so, get this, millions of tons of loose sediment and rocks were scraped away to finally get down to bedrock. You understand what bedrock is? It's as far as you can go. You've hit rock solid rock 
and it's rock for probably in some cases hundreds of feet deep into the earth and that's where you got to get to if you're going to put something on uh, of that magnitude on top of that you better hit bedrock they were going to start building on top of all those many feet of sediment that would have been a catastrophe all right so eventually renamed Hoover Dam in 1947. The dam was the largest man-made structure in the world when it was completed at that time, and it created uh, Lake Mead, the largest reservoir in the United States. I'm not sure if that's still the case now or not, but at least it was for sure then. And by the time the pouring of the concrete ceased in uh, 1935, approximately 3.25 million cubic yards of concrete had been used, which would have been enough concrete, guys, to pave a highway from New York to San Francisco, all the way across the United States. If you took all that concrete out and just paved a highway, all right? Um, So to be able to visit there is is a pretty amazing sight. Those of you that have seen that, I'd really like to go and see that. It really would be something that would be astounding to me. The dam itself is beautifully constructed, The lake itself is stunning. It creates one of the most beautiful sights in America. You would stand there and look and say, wow, what beauty is really there. But here's what you need to remember and understand. The beauty that's on the top is only made possible because of the bedrock that's down below. Because if they decided to build on the sediment and all the sand and all, you know, the mud and the muck over those hundreds of years that had settled down there, then you would not be looking at Lake Mead. It would be the Colorado River still flowing right on down between the canyon there because it would not have held back the kind of water that it would take to hold that amount of water back. But the beautiful lake is there today. The scenery is unmatched in many ways because they got down to bedrock, rock-solid foundation to be able to build upon. That's the way the Christian life is. I want... I hope that when God looks down at my life, that God sees a beautiful scene. I hope God sees in my life a life that is serving the Lord, that is helping out as many folks as I can, that's trying to accomplish things for the Lord. I hope God sees some kind of beauty in my life. That's my prayer and my desire. I want to hear those words, well done. But here's what I know, guys. That'll never happen unless I'm building on the proper foundation. You got to start with a good foundation in the Christian life. And so know and understand, first of all, tonight, Jesus Christ is our foundation. And look with me again in verse 11. No other foundation for, excuse me, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then you can, you can look back up here. So, guys, until you have a foundation, you don't have anything really to build upon. I mean, some untrained person could have gone, once the river had run dry, could have gone up and said, all right, guys, get started pouring the concrete. Uh, I mean, but that would have been a mess. If you don't have a rock-solid foundation, then it's all a house of cards, as somebody calls that, a straw house, that you might be able to build it, and it looks beautiful for a while, but it's going to collapse, Holding your place there, would you go back with me to Matthew chapter 7? Let me hear those pages rustle on a Wednesday night. Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Say amen when you get there. Amen. All three of you guys. 
4, 5. Super. All right. Matthew 7, drop down to verse 24 and look at this there. Look how the Lord says, and be reminded about this parable. Remember this in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a what? A rock. What kind of a man is he? This is a wise man. Verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a what? A rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a... Whoa, what kind of guy is this guy? He's a foolish man because he built his house upon what? The sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And what happened to it? It fell and great was the fall of it. Why? Because that guy thought he was standing on solid ground and didn't realize it was sifting, shifting sand. And when the winds came and the storms of judgment came into that man's life, all the sand began to shift and to wash away and the house collapsed. You've seen some of the news clips of... uh, Floods that have been taking place around the world and whole houses are floating down the river uh, because the foundation simply could not hold uh, the house to where it was, all right? uh, In my backyard, we used to live at, let's see, 312 North Meyer Lane. We now live at 316 North Meyer Lane. That's one house to the north. You say, you just had to move right next door? Yeah, I had a two-car garage and a sliding glass door. And I thought it was worth it. Hardest move I ever made in my life was to move right next door. You got to carry everything. You don't go out and put it in a pickup truck and drive for 20 minutes while you relax. Uh, Anyway, I had a shed in the backyard. And I had, I don't know if any of you guys here with your broken backs, helped me to pick that thing up. And we just slid it over the fence and dropped it back down. And it was sitting on a treated two before base that's all it was sitting on and that's the way it's still sitting now 20 some years later on a treated lumber base and I went out there just Monday Tuesday I'm putting some things out in the shed and I tried to open my shed door and the dirt has climbed up I mean the dirt's probably a full inch higher I mean we must be creating more dirt well that doesn't happen Guess what is happening? I just set that thing right on top of the ground in over 20 years. Guess what's happening? It's sinking down through the sediment. And my <laughs> shed's getting shorter, and I have to duck down a little bit more to get in that shed because I didn't build a foundation. And that's what happens. when Guys, when you don't have the foundation, your house is going to sink and fall. Uh, remember Peter's uh, conversation with Jesus? Jesus looks at Peter and says, Hey, uh, what are you guys saying about me out there? What do men say about who they think I am? And Peter said, well, some think you're one of the prophets, a really great man. That's paraphrased in my words, but Jesus looked at Peter and said, well, who who do you think I am? Who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him. Remember this? He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not the little pebble of Peter, but on the rock-solid statement that he made, that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That, that rock of a statement that he made upon that rock, I'll build my church. Do you understand tonight? This church, if we're doing it properly, is being built upon the rock, that rock solid bedrock of Jesus Christ 
tonight. And if you're trying to build your life, I hope you're listening tonight. If you're trying to build your life on anything else as a Christian, other than upon Jesus Christ, and you're, you're drifting off in your convictions and standards and your stand for the things of God, and you've gotten caught up in a lot of other things in life, other than serving God with all your heart and soul, giving him everything you've got. I'm telling you, the house is going to begin to tip a little bit. And when the winds blow, you're going to begin to feel like I'm not on such good solid ground because you're, you're beginning to get sidetracked a little bit. So Jesus Christ is the base of all that we do and build upon in this Christian life. So Paul said, I, you know, I laid the foundation for this church of Corinth. I preached Christ Christ was laid out solidly for you. And he said, another buildeth thereupon. You guys are beginning to build your lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But we've got a problem. You're running around and saying, you know, well, let, let me just be very frank. You guys are running around all uh, factioned off and sectioned off and separated and divisive. And, and you really think you're building on Christ? That, that's not happening. You're not building a life. Uh, solidly in the Lord. So notice, uh, secondly tonight, there's two kinds of building materials that you can choose to build from, all right? Look with me in verse 12. Uh, Can you read this out loud with me? I'd like to hear your voices good and clear on verse 12. The Bible says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. You say, well, there's six kinds of building material. But in reality, there's only two real categories that you can build from, all right? Uh, One category of building material that you can choose to build with is indestructible, while the other category is perishable. The first category God described there is the indestructible material. It's described like this, gold, silver, and precious stones. And do you remember I talked to you about the fire of God's judgment that looks at all of our works in heaven? Well, All of the works that we do are going to pass through the judgment of God. God will look at our works to determine of what sort our work was. It's like fire, the judgment of God, and God's determining. Uh, Are your works that which will pass through judgment and come through on the other side? Or was it that frivolous, I can do it my way, kind of a life of wood, hay, and stubble? I'm going to go back to the Hoover Dam for just a minute. Uh, And let me describe for you, it's just so interesting for me to read about that. There's a chemical reaction that takes place while concrete is setting up. And uh, during that hardening process, it creates high levels of heat. Engineers estimated that if, you know, you poured that entire dam all in one big chunk of concrete, all at once, you know, one right after the other, concrete piling on top of itself, it would have taken 125 years just to cool down. And it would have collapsed because it would not have been solid to have to uh, cool down that way. So to solve the problem, the concrete was poured into these separate rectangular plots called lifts. And then it was cooled with pipes filled with ice cold water. You can imagine that process. 
So they went to a lot of trouble, guys, and a lot of expense to take all those little separate squares of concrete and layer them one on top of the other. Huge chunks, by the way, but they had to make sure it was right. They can't make sure, uh, uh, find out that they did it improperly and the concrete begins to crack and to crumble and now the dam begins to rumble and before you know it, a Colorado River is now flowing again like it used to. You can't do that. So they had to have the right materials. It was critical that they would do that. Now they had the foundation, but if the, the building material was wrong, then they're, they're in lots of trouble, all right? So gold, silver, and precious stones are all good works. Those are things, guys, the gold and silver and precious stones are, are all the things that we do in this life for God. We do it for his glory. We don't do it for personal fame. I don't get up here and preach a message just hoping that I can get somebody to say, good message, pastor. Man, that was a great message. And go back to my office and sit there and go, wasn't too bad. I thought I was pretty good myself. And to sit there and pile up my own little rewards in my own heart or for somebody to sing a song or for you to have some kind of a talent or for you to do something here at church and then be offended because somebody didn't notice what you have been doing for so long. Nobody said anything to me about this for all these years. And I've done this faithfully for, well, friend, be glad because great is your reward that is in heaven. And if you're serving just so somebody else can come up alongside of you and compliment you, and that's where you get your fix in life is from what others say about you, or for you getting the attention about you, please understand this. God says, verily or truly, I say to you, you already have your reward. And when you get to heaven and you pass that work through the fire, if you're building with the wrong material and it was all about you or I just want to do life my way, well, friend, go ahead, but I will promise you this, your work one day is going to pass through the, what we call the fire of God's judgment. In other words, God will look at that work and there's not real fire that flames out uh, from God in heaven. I don't believe so. But God with his discerning eye examines our works and his judgment is perfect in every way. And God will see very clearly what my or your motive was on that day. You did that out of anger. You did that out of jealousy. You did that out of uh, who knows what. I wanted people to say my name and I wanted to be, you know, one of those guys in church that everybody thought was really something. But I've had lots of people in this church tell me, for instance, I've had people come up to me and give me a check. And uh, the, the name who it was to was left blank. And they said, I want you to give this to some people in this church that you know pastor really needs this. And as they would walk away, they would turn around to me. I can't tell you how many times over the years this similar event has happened. Pastor, can you just not let them know who it's from? Don't tell them who it was from. Just tell them it was from God. Guess what's going to happen when whoever that was gets to heaven? God will pass that work through the fire of his judgment and his all discerning never misses a thing I looks at that and realizes that work was done so that I could be honored and glorified in that person's life gold silver precious stones you know what they were doing when they turned around and said pastor uh, don't tell them who it was from you know what they were doing cooling the concrete 
so that when it was building a life on the foundation of Christ, it would be proper and it wouldn't crumble and it wouldn't be made out of the wrong material. In other words, and I, and I remember another guy who uh, they were singers at a, another church and one of the singers said to another guy that played an instrument to help them, said in front of three or four of the other people in the group, said to them, guys, I just want to say, and they called this guy's name out, and he said, I just want to tell you, this guy really means a lot to me. This guy's here every, every he's never missed a practice, and, and he went on saying this and that, and all of a sudden the guy spoke up and said, and he had an angry look on his face. He said, would you stop it? Would you just hush? And the guy was shocked. He's like, yeah, I'll, sorry. Like, what did I do? And after the practice was over, he just got up next to him. He said, look, I'm sorry I reacted like that. But he said, in my lifetime, I probably have so little that I'm going to be able to really stand before God with and have any kind of real rewards. And he said, this is just one of those things that I just want God to be able to tell me, well done, once I get to heaven. And I really don't want people to compliment me and and, and to give me the glory down here. I said, well, praise the Lord when I read that. I thought that was just a tremendous example. So guys, our motives for why we do what we do are critical for having the right kind of building material to be able to build uh, a house for God. So the second category of building materials is that perishable kind, and I, I'm crisscrossing these guys back and forth, um, but it's described as the wood, hay, and the stubble. And I, and I, even in Sioux Falls, there's a lot of beautiful homes built here in Sioux Falls, and many of them are built out of wood. I, I mean, the, the outside of the house pretty much built out of wood. I'm sure the homes probably cost millions of dollars. The framework on the inside probably wood. The floors, beautiful wood floors. The trim and the railings were ornate wood. Honestly, very stunning. Million-dollar homes or more. But I've also seen some homes that were multi-million dollar homes in California when the fires were blowing up over the forest. Remember that? The pictures of that on the news? When all those fires were raging through there? And million dollar homes, guess what was happening to them? Burning to the ground. You know why? They're made out of wood. And they would take you back several days later after the embers all died down. And guess what you can see left there? The basement, if there was a basement. Or a foundation that was left because it was made out of concrete. And the only thing that was lasting was that which was indestructible. This wood, hay, and stubble are the things that we do in this life that are done. Hey, listen to this. In the power of the flesh, it it, it could be the class that we teach without seeking God's fullness. You know, We've been really busy for the week, and, you know, life's busy, God. And, and I had a lot to do, and, and you know, I, I knew I was going to teach the class, and Saturday night, real quick, I got together, and I, I, I sat down and studied the lesson and got together, and I can, I can do this. I've done, the, I've done this a hundred times, and, and we go stand up in front of the class, and it's just me. It's just me and some perspiration and a little bit of energy and maybe a couple of donut holes <laughs> from Sunday morning. But God's the furthest thing away from a lesson about God. I think we've all been there. Trying to serve God in our own strength and in our own power. Just trying to muscle our way through it. My strong willpower can do this. 
I can, I can make this happen. And we've all, we've all done that. I'm just saying, guys, that's fine. It might look like a beautiful house. Those little Sunday school children might go home saying, we, we learned a lesson today about Zacchaeus. And our teacher taught it to us today. And they may think, if I can use it this way, your house that you were building uh, was, looked really pretty. But when you stand before God in heaven, if that was taught in the power of the flesh or for your glory or for some human to get some kind of honor instead of God, then when it passes through the all-seeing judgmental eye of God and God determines what sort it is, God will have to look at us and say, I'm sorry, wood or hay or stubble and a straw house. It doesn't take much of a spark. And that, that house is just, it's up in flames almost instantly. Matthew 6, 1 says, Take heed heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. It's like, hey, look at me. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Did you get that? When it comes time for you to be able to have some kind of reward in heaven, there will be no reward for that. You got your reward on earth. I remember... uh, told you this before, but Bill Sherman helped me remodel our house over when we lived on, yeah, 2813 East 14th Street. And, uh, and we ran out of two-by-fours, and he said, hey, pastor, can you go get some two-by-fours? I need about six more two-by-fours. ought to wrap this one wall up. I can do that. And I remember going to probably Menards, and I went up to the stack of two-by-fours. I looked at the size I needed, uh, eight foot, 10 foot, whatever it was. And I found them right here. They were and there's a big solid stack here. And over here was a, just a real loose stack of them laying right there. Uh, here's a stack over here just for me to get, man. I just grabbed six of those things and took them home. You guys that are construction workers know why those were all laying over there. Everybody looked at them. They picked that two before up and looked down that long length of it and saw, I'd make a good bow and arrow. Just nice and bowed. I didn't know that. I just took it there and I'm not kidding. That wall of that basement, (laughs) that last section of it, Bill laughed at me. He says, well, you'll see why here in a minute. Just gives the sheetrockers a lot of fun when they're trying to hit the two before. They're supposed to be straight up and down. It's way way over here. I learned to choose carefully the building materials that I use. But it took me a while to learn that. Guys, you only get one life. And this is it. Don't wait till you get to heaven to get up there and find out how many two-befores were bowed. You didn't choose wisely. You, you did your works to be seen of men. I want others to see me. I, um, it's just the wrong motive. And learn the lesson now. It, it, would, it would do you good. Um, when God judges the works and looks at all that we do, look in verse 13. Please look at it again. Every man's work shall be made manifest. He's going to stand it all up and look at him, guys. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. God's all-seeing, discerning eye. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Wouldn't it be something, guys? And I was thinking about the ministries we have here in our church, like, We've got a sound booth ministry. We have uh, Sunday school teachers and their helpers. And we have nursery workers. Praise God for nursery workers. Uh, we have the prison ministry. And, and, um, and I could go on down the line. And, and I know I'm, as soon as I did this, those that work in patch club and our youth ministries and on and on, kitchen and so on and so forth. Wouldn't that be something? 
if all oh, the bus workers on Sunday mornings on the, it's, you know, it's 10 below outside and, and we're still tucked under our electric blankets and they're getting out of bed. They're going out there and unplugging the, uh, the electrical cords that are trying to keep the buses warm and hopefully they'll start. And uh, wouldn't it be something to spend all that time and sacrificing and it was done in the flesh and get to heaven and come to find out all your rewards were just down here on the earth. Man, I would hate that. Or Sunday school teachers, all the hundreds of hours of lessons that you've studied over the years and, and the choir practice that had been done and, uh, and even when you come to church. The reason you came to church all these years was why? Teenagers, well, because my mom and dad made me come. Wow, what a shame. All of those years of the efforts and the work you put into. And here's, listen, here's Paul. And when you hear me do this, I, I, this is Paul. Paul saying to his Corinthian believers, guys, see what you're doing? Look how you're all factioned off. You're doing it for this group and you're doing it for this guy that heads up your group. And, and you got your purposes all messed up. And you really expect, and that's why he's telling them all this, when you stand before God in heaven and all these works you're trying to do are then tried by God's all-seeing, all-discerning eye, do you really believe there's going to be any gold or silver or any precious stones? Because right now all I'm seeing is wood, hay, and stubble. So what's Paul trying to do? Get your works turned around. Get your priorities straight again. Understand why you're left on this earth in the first place is to give God great glory and honor. Let him know that he's number one in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these little things that we get so caught up in life about that we're giving our attention to, the wood and the the hay and stubble kind of things then God will add those things to you. You didn't even have to get your priorities all mixed up. And that's what he's trying to say to them. Hey, Corinthian church, do you get it? You're messing up. Get the corner turned and get back in line. And I don't know where you might be tonight, but if your priorities have gotten off track and you can tell you're just robotic. Well, I'm here tonight, preacher. I I know, but why? Honestly, why? Well, if I didn't, I know so-and-so would be texting me when I got home. Or I'd get an email, or you'd preach a message about me on Sunday morning. Or, really? Is that what Christianity has been reduced to? How about, how about somebody died on a cross for me? How about somebody vicariously laid his life down for me? And I can't help but want to serve him with all that I have. Yeah, I'm tired. And I'm hurting tonight. I may not feel the best, but I'm going to give him everything I got. And to God be the glory. And if somebody does compliment you, somebody does say, hey, great job. I really enjoyed that song. Hey, and many of you will tell me, Pastor, great message. I, I, usually I try to say, well, praise the Lord. But more than that, when I get home and I've laid down on my bed or when I'm up and having my devotions the very next day, I just looked at God and I say, God, thank you. There's, there's only one way that could have happened, and it's because of you. And that's for you. So examine your heart tonight. I think it's a warning to the Christian. And it's also a blessing to stop and understand. God wants to give us rewards. It's going to be a great time in heaven. I can't wait for what is called, in the Greek, it's called the Bema. 
seat. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's not a place where you determine if you are really saved or not. Because that got settled in verse 11. Remember the foundation? The foundation's already laid. This is not a text about your salvation. Um, This is about, oh, here's another one. It's not about you paying for your sins either. Please hear this. This passage is not about you paying for the sins you did wrong. You're going to have corrective actions by God on this earth. But Jesus took my wrath already. And when I get to heaven, my sins are already paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. All this passage is about tonight is the rewards that I can get or that I will suffer loss for because uh, it was just the wood, hay, and stubble. And I don't want to suffer loss. I don't want to look back on the shelf, so to speak, and see the rewards, the crowns that I could have earned, that I could have cast down at the feet of Christ because I made life all about me. Look at me. Look how special I am. Look what I can do. Rather than look at him. Look what a great God he is. Look what he can do. Isn't he a great God? So, a good challenge for the heart tonight. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.